So I'm wondering if you've ever had that person in your life that just will tell you the hard truth. Even when it hurts, they're just going to throw it out there. Some of you are already shaking your head. You might be sitting by that person right now. Don't, don't look over at them right now. But they're just going to, like, they don't sugarcoat it. I, I had a, a friend of mine that would just tell the hard truth. And I was like, dang, man. And he's like, do you want the truth or don't you? I said, I'll, I'll take the truth, but, you know, I don't need it with blunt force trauma. It was just, he just was like, oh, I'm just going to give it to you. You know, I'm not, not going to lie. I'm just going to tell the truth. By the way, there are three things. I don't know if you know this, but this is biblical. It's not. But anyway, so there are three things that, that don't lie. Three things that never lie, right? Small children, they're always going to tell you the truth. I mean, they're just so innocent, right? Um, drunk people, they're, they're normally just going to spit the truth, right? And then stretch pants. I, they just don't lie, or they're just going to put it out there. So uh, three things. But anyway, so the truth matters. We're in a series called Faith That Moves, and James... Now, James is the brother of Jesus, one of his brothers. He had multiple. James wrote a book or wrote a letter. He didn't know it was going to be in the Bible, but God knew. And James is writing to early Christians. James told it like it was. James was telling them not what they wanted to hear, but what they needed to hear. And it was rough because here was the problem with this early group of Christians. They'd gotten off track. They, they didn't know. They, they'd forgotten their purpose. They knew what they were doing, but they, they forgot the why. Ooh, that, when you forget the why, see, I wonder if you know your why. I wonder if, you might know your what. Oh, this is what I do. I'm a, a teacher. I'm an administrator. I'm a driver. I'm a, you might know your what. See, people will get a paycheck for the what. They'll give their life to the why. That's the difference. The, they had forgotten their why. They had forgotten about this movement called the church that they got a part of. They forgot what it was all about. They were declaring a good game. They were talking, oh yeah, this is this and this is this. They were declaring it, but they weren't demonstrating it. And, 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 and uh, James was like, be who you claim to be, right? Be who you claim to be. He was over and over, remember who you are. Remember whose you are. Oh, if I could just set this message up in James chapter 4. God wants you to know who you are and whose you are and why you exist. This is going to be huge. So if you, I love when you bring a Bible or you download the mobile app. You can follow along. I'm going to read you all of James chapter 4. So it'll take good 30, 40 minutes, but it's so good. I'm just kidding. It'll take, it's only 17, uh, 17 verses, so it won't take that long. And we'll put it up on the screen as well. But I want to read the chapter in, in context, in whole, and then you're going to see where, where God shined a spotlight, what we're going to focus on today. So this is James writing to the early Christians and also to you and I. What's causing fights among you, among us, quarrels among you? Don't they come from evil desires at war within us? You want what you have, so you scheme and you kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and you wage war to take it from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Now we could pause there for a second because James just gave us insight on why we fight with each other. And he also gave insight on the power of prayer. Did you hear what he said? You have not because you ask not. God will not answer 100% of the prayers you don't pray. Guaranteed. 
But then to take it a step farther, he says, and when you do ask, the problem is your motives are all wrong. They're selfish. You want what you want. You want for your pleasure. You're not praying for my will. You're praying for your will. So we're learning about the power of prayer. And your pastor has been guilty of praying, you know, for, for what I want. I've told you before, when, when some moron cuts me off in traffic, I'm like, God, in the name of Jesus, blow out their transmission. You know, God never does it. Never does it. I said, God, I give you all the glory, but you're still not doing it. I don't get it. So, but, but, but keep leaning in. I've only given you a few uh, verses. Let's keep going. James continue. He's writing this down. He says, you adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I'll say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate about the spirit he's placed within us, that it should be faithful. Say faithful. It should be faithful to him. And he gives grace generously. As scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, James writes. You sinners, purify your hearts for your loyalty. That's the issue. It's divided. You're divided between the world and God. That's the issue. Let there be tears. He wants them to be broken for what they've done. Let there be tears for what you've done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter, gloom instead of joy. Again, humble yourselves before God. Then he will lift you up. Look here, this is the final verses, look here, you who say tomorrow or today, we're going to go to a certain town and we'll stay there for a year, we'll do business, we'll make some money, have a profit, but how do you know what your life is going to bring tomorrow, what it will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog, it's like a vapor, here today, gone tomorrow, you don't know, so he continues what you ought to say is, if the Lord wants, wants, wants us here, if the Lord wants us to live here, we will live here and do this or that. He said, otherwise, like if it's all about you and what you want, otherwise you're boasting about your own pretentious plans, and that's, that's evil. And then this last verse, you could preach on the last verse for a series. Remember, it's a sin to know what you should do, to know what you ought to do, and then not do it. That's huge. So you, this, this chapter, we just read the entire chapter of James 4. And there are, there are probably 10 different ways you could take it. So as I prayed to God, it was really, it was almost, I don't want to say easy, but it was really clear. We, I went right to, after the prayer part that we talked about early on, I went right to chapter, verse 4. Listen to this. You adulterers, I mean, that got my attention. Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God. See, when God repeats himself in the word, I'm like, okay, he's trying to get my attention. Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again in case you missed it the first time. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. So, I'm just going to say it. Regardless of where you're at with God, there's nobody here that says, I want to be his enemy. Like, I not only want to fight against the devil and the dark forces, but I want to fight against God as well. No one wants to battle God. 
You do not want to hear, if you don't want to be in the ring with God and hear the announcer say, and in this corner, it's the reigning, defending, creator of the world, God. And then there's you. You don't want that. Nobody wants that. Not only don't you want to hear that, you, like when it says you adulterers, no one wants to get caught cheating on God. Nobody. No one wants God walking in on them. It's like, hey, God, say, it's not. We were just praying. It's, it's nothing, you know? It's, no one wants that. But that's what James is writing about, not just to them then, but to us now. I mean, can you imagine? So the title of the message is called Cheating on God. And that might sound kind of out there, but that's exactly what James is writing about. So what, what, what do you mean cheating on God? Explain it. Thank you for asking. I wrote down this. Cheating on God is when you give and I give people, places, and things. I don't think I put this on the notes, but I'm going to give it to you. You give people, places, or things more love and attention than you give God. See, that's cheating on God. And, here, and I've been guilty. I have been guilty. But understand something. We hear a word like a biblical term a lot called idolatry. Having an idol. Having an idol means that you're just, you just put something before God. Uh, understand something, like idolatry is adultery, okay? Idolatry is adultery. We're putting something before God. Common, very common things, money, one of the number one things that I put before God. Uh, relationships, hobbies, careers, status, you know, at least says people. A boyfriend, a girlfriend. I, it's crazy. I can't count the number of times that uh, someone will be a part of our family and part of the church, and then they're just gone. And I'm like, where's so-and-so? And somebody says, oh, they got a boyfriend or they got a girlfriend. And I'm like, what, what happened? I mean, here's what I would tell you. If, you, if, you're, if, you're, if the person you're dating is like getting in the way of your pursuit of God, I'm telling you, that is a red flag. You should run, forest, run. Because they're keeping you away from the one who created you and loves you more than they ever could. So, I was going to have all the single people raise your hand and then kind of look around. I mean, I'm trying to help. So, but I won't do that. We're going to have a singles night sometime. It'll be fun. So, uh, tell me three things that never lie. Anyway, so, um, I get off track. So, yes, yes, yes. So, <laughs> the boyfriend-girlfriend thing just makes me laugh because I thought of this stupid story of the, the guy that was dating a girl, the jealous girlfriend. I mean, none of you, but other people. The, she was really jealous. So she called him to see what he was doing. She's like, where are you at? And he's like, baby, I'm at church. And she's like, put Jesus on the phone. You know, she didn't, she wasn't buying it. She's like, I don't believe that. So anyway, that's, that's just for free. So idolatry, adultery. What do we put before God? The bad things we kind of recognize. I mean, if you're putting, you know, porn, uh, drugs, drinking, uh, addiction, whatever, we get that. That's bad. That should not be in the equation at all. But what, what's, what's hard to discern are the good things. Two of the biggest people that we cheat on with God, your spouse and your kids probably are number one. Number one. I'm telling you. So the best thing you can do for your husband or wife Sell out to Jesus. Sell out to him. Put him first in the family. Not her, not him, him. The best thing you can do for your kids isn't to get them in every activity under the sun. The best thing you can do is get them to, to the one who is the son of God. That's the best thing you can do. 
point them to Jesus. That's, that would be the best thing for them. So, technology, there we go. So cheating on God, we gave the definition of what that is. We all can agree that maybe we've been guilty from time to time. I want to continue. We, so we're pulling apart James, starting in James 4. Listen to James 5. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? James writes. They say that God is passionate, that he has placed a spirit within, within us that should be faithful. See, he wants faithfulness, not unfaithfulness. Be faithful to him. Listen to this. This is crazy. He gives generously grace. As scriptures say, he opposes the proud, but gives grace. Gives grace. Say grace. He gives grace to the humble. That's interesting. So he doesn't treat us the same. That's what I just read. People say, well, God treats everyone equal. No, he doesn't. He created everyone equal, but he don't treat us equal. And you don't want that. My kids don't want, Jake and Ava don't want me treating them equal. Like if Ava gets straight A's, I'm like, Ava, great job, straight A's. You can play video games for like an hour. She'd be like, I'll get F's. I don't, I don't want to play, you know. She don't, they don't, God doesn't treat us equal. And this will blow some people away. But think about it. Okay, let's, let's kind of discuss the, the context of God and his attributes. Does God love everyone? Yes or no? Yes, God loves everyone. Did God send Jesus... For everyone, yes or no? Uh, does, God, does God want the best for everyone, yes or no? Is God close to everyone, yes or no? Uh-huh. That's good. I like you, Meadows Church. You're catching on. I thought I'd get you. But that, you. So you're right. You're right. Listen to this. Humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Verse 8. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Hmm. So God's love is unconditional. Nothing you can do or, or not do that will change that. God's nearness, totally conditional. Totally. People will say, I, I feel so far from God, I don't understand it. I do, it's because you are far from God. And the times that I felt far from God, a lot of times, it's because I am far from God. So, so it's, it's crazy to think this way, but... But it's biblical. If I ask the crowd and I ask you watching online or in the room, how many here feel close to God? Some of your hands would go up and some wouldn't, right? So some of you, if you're honest, you, didn't, you haven't felt close to God in years. Years. Well, I'm, I'm in, what do you mean? I'm in church. You can be in the house of God and still be far from God. I promise you. I was for 18 years. So... But being in the house of God, I think, is a great start. But you can, you can come and sit in the seats and still be miles from God. i got to repent, actually, about something that I've said in the past. I've said it numerous times. And it, I, I'm not going to say it again. I used to say, if you feel far from God, God's not the one who's moved. That's not true. Partially true. I mean, because you can move and so can he. See, God moves. You don't have to read, I'm the Old Testament. Well, he was leading them through a desert. He was moving. God moves. Where God moves depends on your move. Where he moves, it depends totally on you. This is so crazy. This blew me away as I studied scripture. Look at the, let's look at the cheating illustration since we're talking about cheaters, right? Let's say, hypothetically, right, that, that you get cheated on or someone cheats on you. So, 
as that happens, does the person who gets cheated on, do they, do they drift closer to you or farther from you? Farther. They're going to go farther from you. The only, the only way they would draw closer is to punch you in the throat a couple times, right? They don't want to. They don't want to be closer. If they go farther away. By the way, every, and I'm not just talking about a physical affair. You see me struggling, don't you? You're so good to me. Every affair, and not just a physical, anything that we put before God, right, is an affair on God. It's cheating on God. So don't just think a physical, we think physical, maybe that's just a one piece of it. But, but every affair starts with a drift, right? It starts with a glance, it starts with a moment. It starts with a, a text. It starts with a lunch. It starts with just something so innocent. But don't miss this. Oh, this is so crazy. Drift, that drift will lead to distance. And distance leads to division every time. I was going to say disconnection. Either one would work. But I love the word division, and here's why. Look at the next verse. Or, or we continue with the same verse, James 4, 8. Remember the problem? Here's the problem. Your loyalty is divided. Say divided. You're, it's divided. You got one foot in the world and you got one foot in Christ. And that is a miserable place to live. You got one foot in the world and you got one foot in God. God repeats it over and over in this scripture. The problem, our loyalty is divided. It's why so many of you might be so miserable at times because you're in this battle with yourself. But it's not just with yourself. You're battling God. Remember, uh, an enemy of God is a friend of the world. You're creating the image of God. So, so we're having this battle that goes on. You can't believe both the word and the world. Eventually, you got to pick one. And some of you are like, well, I really haven't chosen. Yes, you have. Everybody in the room has chosen. Everybody watching online has chosen. You've chosen. It's, that is, your choice is there. You can change it, but you've chosen. Because you either choose God or by default, which the default is the world, all day long. That's the default. We need to actively pursue God, actively love God, actively put God first in our lives. So crazy. So that's what was happening when James wrote this. They were, they were, they chose God, they chose Christ. We're the church. We're going to go love people and reach people and feed people and tell them about Jesus. And pretty soon, they're quarreling. And fighting within. They, 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 they know what they're supposed to do. They have no clue why. Because they lost it. And that's what's happened. And I think that's what's happened in many people today. I know it's happened in my life numerous times. I don't know about you, but I can lose track of the why. And it, 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 it is a miserable place to live. So, by the way, if, if you were to kind of sum up James... I would say, like, if I had to pick a verse, and we're going to go back to chapter 1 for a second. Because I really thought about what is the, con I mean, what is the whole theme of James? And you probably already get it based on the title, Faith That Moves. But James 1.22 would be it. Don't just listen to the pastor preach. Don't just read the word of God. Don't just listen. Don't just hear. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Why, God? Well, otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. See, you're being deceived. We're, every, we're deceived every time we hear the word of God, listen to the word of God, read the word of God, and don't do the word of God. Every time you're deceived when you do that. And we leave church, we're like, I got filled up with the word. And it's worthless if we don't do anything with it. 
In fact, it's almost worse because then you get down on yourself because my life looks no different than anybody else, but yet they never go to church. They never pray. Well, you're hearing the word, but you're not applying it. That's more conviction because you know what to do. You're learning what to do, but you're still living in the world. This is what, so, this is what God wants us to know. You're only fooling yourselves. I've said this before, but it's been a while. Information, the word of God, without application is deception. Information without, this is why people will fall away from the church. This is why they'll come for a while. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm so motivated. But all of a sudden, two months later, either, well, either they get a boyfriend or girlfriend, right? Or, or they're just not applying it. And then it's maybe the church's fault or the pastor's and whatever. I can take the blame for it. I don't care. But, but we have to apply it. That's why I tell you all the time, the most important part of the message is what happens after the message. That's the most important part of today. So I want to give you action items so you can live it out. But we can't just deceive ourselves. And I've been guilty of just listening to a message. And I'm like, ooh, the title of this message. Ooh, the topic of this message. And I'd be like, Jody, we sh- too bad so-and-so isn't here. Jody, your friend should be here. She could really learn a lot from this. And Jody will lean in like, honey, maybe you could learn a lot from this. And I'm like, no, no, I'm good, I'm good. You know? so, so we, but that's what we think. We're like, I wish so-and-so was here. And we share the message, and we post the message, but we don't apply the message. This is so crazy. And, and people will say, but I believe the truth. I'm a believer. And the word of God says you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Here's the issue, though. You have to, in order for the truth to set you free, you have to live it. It's when you take what you learn on Sunday, and you apply it to Monday. That's when your life will change dramatically. My voice just shot up three octaves. I don't know how. So we'll edit that and make me sound manly, okay? Please. That was wrong. Change. So it is when your life will change. When you take the word of God and you start applying it to your business, to your boss, to your coworker, to your kid, to your spouse, to your boyfriend or girlfriend, when you do that, whew, your life will change. That's all. So Back to, so you remember the problem? Your problem is you're divided. You keep going to the world looking for hope and help. It'll never give it to you. You're divided between the world and the word, between the world and God. That's the problem. What's the solution? We have it right in the word of God. Come close to me, and I'll come close to you. Draw close to me, and I'll draw close to you. That's what he says. Wash your hands. Cleanse, let me cleanse you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. So how do we draw close to God? It's not complicated. You draw close to God when you deal with the sin that keeps you at a distance. That's how you draw close to God. The reason God would distance himself from you, the reason God would draw away from you and away from me, is our sin. He loves you. But he hates the sin in us. Because God can have nothing to do with it. He can't have have anything to do with it. And the reality is, the more that you sin, it matters. Well, all sin separates you from God. It does. But the more that you compound it, the farther away God's getting. Remember, just it starts with the drift. But drift leads to distance. And distance leads to division. And soon you're miles apart from God, divided from him. And you don't know how you got there. So, the solution. God draws close to us when we deal with the sin that separates us from him. 
It starts with confessing our sins. And we don't maybe do this enough or even talk about this enough. But the confession of your sins is powerful. The confession of your sins is cleansing. That's what it said in the word of God. It's amazing. You know, a, a, a co-laborer in Christ for the early church was John, along with James. Now, John wasn't a brother of Jesus, but he was one of the 12, one of the 12 disciples. And John, look what he wrote in 1 John. He's reminding us right away that, that in case we don't think we're jacked up, he's like, nah, you jacked up. If we claim to have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves. There we are deceiving ourselves again and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to God, he's so faithful, he's so just, what will he do? He'll forgive you. He'll forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. That is, God loves you so much. No one hates more being separated from you than him. No, when he, ha he, he doesn't want to back up from you, but he has to because of the sin that we keep putting in our lives as we seek the world rather than the word. It's, it's so crazy. I, uh, when I think about confession, I don't know if, if you grew up in the church um, like I did. We would confess to God and we would confess to somebody else. But even confessing to God... Even talking about it and me telling you, you need to confess to God. You need to cry out to God. It's, the world's going to think, that's weird. Like, what'd you learn in church? I'm going to cry out to God and confess my sins. They're going to think that's strange. But we're already, we've already established that we don't want to be like the world. Like, we, we want to be like God. we, we got to stop investing so much time, effort, and energy in things that don't matter. This rope, maybe you're newer to the church. You don't know what this is. This rope, this red piece on this rope is your life. This is you on earth. That's what you got. James said it. It's a vapor. It's a fog. It's here today, gone tomorrow. Quicker than you know. Some of you know. If you've lost people before you think you should have lost them, you know it, it can happen. So this is the past. This is all the things that have happened ahead of us. The future, which is eternity, which is forever, by the way. And all we have is, and how much do we invest in this? In my opinion, way too much in the world and not enough in God. And, and I'm, I'm probably one of the most guilty. So don't feel condemned. Feel excited because you're getting truth and you're getting action that God wants you to do. But, but don't, live for, don't live for the world. I, one, of my, one of my favorite illustrations is when we moved, my family moved from Sioux Falls to Omaha. And uh, the story I haven't told this story, so some of you, you know, hopefully you either forgot it or you haven't, you know, you were newer to the church. But the, one of the first stories I remember is when we moved into an apartment in La Vista. And we didn't have a home yet or anything. God just said, hey, you're going to move to Omaha and you're going to start a church. And it's like, okay, yeah, that sounds easy. So we moved here and we lived in a home for 15 years. I don't know if you know this, but, but going from a home to an apartment, like, Divorce could be an option. You know, I mean, it's, it's hard. It's, it's, if your family makes it through that, you're, you can probably make it through almost anything. So we, uh, luckily, we were only in there a few months. Uh, that's all we could really take of each other. But it, so we're condensed in this area. We're in this little apartment. And one of my first memories of being in this apartment was the day we moved in. And we walked in. And the apartment really wasn't that clean. They didn't clean it that well. Kind of, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a bad, but it wasn't like 
luxury. So very basic, very plain. And we're moving stuff in, and I'm over in the corner, and I see this little brown nugget. And I'm like, hmm. Hey, what, what's this? And Jake, at the time, was only nine years old. Eight or nine. So Jake comes running over, and he all inquisitive, and he grabs the nugget. He's like, I said, Jake. I said, don't. And he, and he licks it. I said, Jake, what are you doing? I could be poop. And he's like, pops it in his mouth. He's like, nope, chocolate-covered raisin. I'm like, but still, should you be doing it? I mean, that, we don't, that wasn't our raisin. So, But it, that's one of my first memories. But we move into this kind of unclean apartment. We get our stuff in there. And it was very, it was very plain. White walls, nothing on them. Carpet, you know, worn carpet. Um, you know what we didn't do? We didn't go out to Home Depot and buy a bunch of paint and paint it up nice. We didn't go to some nice artsy, craftsy store, Home Inc. or whatever, and go and buy a bunch of paintings to put on the walls. Well, I didn't go plant bushes outside the apartment. They wouldn't want that because everything I plant dies. But anyway, it doesn't matter. So, but I, we didn't do all that. We didn't do any of that. Do you know why? It wasn't our home. We were just passing through. So we don't live like the world lives. I'm telling you something. The pattern of the world will always oppose the purpose of God. And, and yes, and you need to know that, that what nothing in this, nothing this world offers will ever compare to what Jesus offers. Nothing. I promise you. The world will promise you everything and deliver nothing. Sin. What do I always say? Fascinates you. And then it assassinates you. But we get deceived, don't we? We get tricked sometimes, don't we? It looks so good in the moment. But in the end, the word of God says, in the end is always death. Anybody in addiction knows that. Uh, so good for a moment. Prayed for you hard this week. Here's, here's what I think God wants me to tell you to close. James talks a lot about doing. You need to do this. Stop just talking about it. Do it. And people can start to think they have to earn it. Like, I've got to, I've got to, he said, I got to get rid of the sin. And yes, we should get rid of the sin. And I should ask for cleansing and God to cleanse. Yes, you should do that. That should be one of your biggest action items. But what I really want to tell you is this. I wrote this down. Doing the right thing isn't the pathway to knowing Christ. Knowing Christ is the pathway to doing the right thing. See, I did it backwards for most of my life. I grew up thinking, I've got to be better. I've got to do more. I can't swear like that. I can't talk like that. I shouldn't drink like that. I shouldn't cheat on all those people like that. I shouldn't do these. I shouldn't do. 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 And I shouldn't do any of those things. But I just kept, it just, it was just, I would just keep going back. And I tell you this all the time. So, so, so instead of focusing on what I should be doing, who should I be being with Christ so the more I put Christ in my life, and the more that you put Christ in your life, the less compelled you will be to do the things that you used to do. It, it, instead of saying no, 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 to all these things that are in your, even to your kids, I know that I'm catering to my kids. I know they don't, I don't lead them to Christ, and we're into the world, and we're into stuff. Instead of getting on yourself, get them with Christ. 
get together, pray with each other, get them to kids ministry, get them to camp, get, point them to Christ, point yourself to Jesus. This is the gospel. So many people, I want God to do amazing things through me. Well, God can't do amazing things through you until he does something amazing in you. This is a full-on surrender. And this isn't just, oh, this is for the people that don't know. No, this is for the people that are sitting in the room or watching online or listening seven years from now. God wants you to seek him with all your heart. It is not normal and it is not easy. But it is the only way that you'll live the life that God purposed and planned. And it is so worth it. But it'll look different. And you'll be persecuted, but it's okay. You have a family. You have Christ. What is your life, even a vapor, here today, gone tomorrow, here for a little time, and vanishes? What is your life? What is your life? Ask yourself that right now. What is my life? Is it sports? Is it the hobby that I spend all my waking time with that I'm not working? Is it my spouse? I mean, we love each other, but we don't know the love of Jesus. My kids, they're, they get great grades and they're great superstars. It doesn't, in the end, it doesn't matter. I'm not against those things. I just, I just to do all that and forsake the relationship with Christ. We miss it. And I'm pointing the finger at me as much as anybody else ever. I mean, so where do you need to ask God for confession? What do you need to confess of, repent of? The gospel says that Christ came to save you and set you free. So many people are claiming freedom in Christ, but they're living in bondage. Do you know why? Because we still have one foot in the word, in one foot in the world. I live that way too some days. So you're not alone. God loves you. That's why he sent Jesus. We all agreed earlier. Did he send Jesus for everybody? You all said, yeah, and you were right. Is he close to everybody? No. He wants to be. And the best, one of the best ways you can get close to him, surrender to him. Jesus Christ, the, the, the perfect son of God, dies on a cross for you and I. John, remember what John wrote? You're all jacked up. Anybody who says they ain't a sinner, they're lying. We're all sinners. We're all mess ups. And you know that, and I know that. And our sin separates us from God. It's rebellion against God. And he can have nothing to do with it, even though he is in love with you. Hurts it. That, that even hurts worse for him. Loves you so much, but can't get close to you. What, God can't? No, God can't. There are things God can't do. God can't get close to sin. He can't. But he died to get close to you. Jesus died to get close to you. The love of the Father. So he dies on that cross. And you know the greatest miracle in history, I tell you all the time. What's the greatest miracle in history? Three days later, Jesus Christ busting out of a tomb and being alive. Nobody else has done that. No other God, no other entity, no other deity, just Jesus. That's why I sold out to him. I'm like, if he can do that, he can change anything. Will you sell out to that? Sometimes I think when we give the gospel, this is for the people that, this is for everybody. This is for me. I want to restore and renew a relationship with Jesus every day. Because every day I screw. 
If we claim we have no sin, we're fooling ourselves. But if we confess, that's your action item and my action item. God, you're faithful. It says you'll forgive us and cleanse us. If you're surrendering to Jesus and the fact that he died for you and rose for you, we want to know online. Tell us. You know, tell us right in the comments. We'll contact you. Here in the room, we have cards that we want you to mark and check out, so check so we can walk with you. But I want to pray for you. And I'm telling you, this time now, as I pray, I, want, I really want you confessing to God. I really want you confessing. Most of you won't be confessing bad things. Most of you won't be confessing a secret or a sin or a porn addiction or a drug addiction. Some of you will. Most of you, what you need to be repenting and confessing of, just like me, I, 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 put, I put the world before you, God. I've cheated on you. I, I focus on money all the time. I focus on my 401k. I focus on my career. I, I, I can't stop working. I can't stop whatever it is, hobbies. I, I focus on uh, my, my husband and wife. We, we love each other, but we don't, but you're not the center of it. We haven't prayed together ever. Our kids are successful and they look great out in the public, but they don't have a, if I asked my kid, who's Jesus Christ and what did he do? They would just look at me clueless. That can change today. God wants that to change today. You don't have to earn anything. Just receive what he has for you. You're saved by God's grace through your faith. Receive that today. Receive his love today. Receive his hope today. Receive his mercy today. Receive his second chance today. Receive his grace, that grace. Humble yourself before God, and he will lift you up. Father, today we humble ourselves before you. We admit that we're a lot like the audience that James was writing to, the early church. There's times we get it. There's these flickering times, maybe when we're in a church environment, maybe when we do open the word of God, maybe when we pray, and we thank you for those moments, but we want more of those moments. We, won't, we don't want them just to be moments. We want them to eventually be who we are. God, help us confess the sin in our lives. God, I confess when I preach from the stage, but I don't live that way with Jody, or I don't live that way with my kids. I confess on my hypocrisy. God, I'll be the first one to tell you I don't have it together. But I, but I, I, I desperately want to seek the one who does. I, I confess when I, I focus on the things of the world, I'll focus on monetary things. I'll focus on temporal moments more than eternal moments. God, I ask for forgiveness, and I pray as I pray and confess even out loud that the church right now is confessing where they know that they've committed adultery in their life. That sounds harsh, God, but it is harsh. We need to understand that sin is a big deal, but we don't need to beat ourselves up over it, even though we do. What we need to do, God, is just ask you to cleanse us today and make us new. No one wants to cleanse us more than you do. No one wants to draw close to us more than you do. No one wants to be in intimate relationship with us more than you. Why in the world, why else would you have sent Jesus, your son, to have him massacred for us? That's why you did it. Your love for us blows me away, God. Thank you for loving people that many times, if we're, if we're honest, we feel unlovable. But that doesn't stop you from looking down at every one of us right now in the moment and saying, I love you. You don't maybe like some of the decisions we do, but you love us. God, help us put feet to this. 
doing the right thing. It's not the pathway to knowing you, but if we're going to know you, the more we know you, the more that we'll be compelled to do the right thing. Help us know you more today. Jesus, I thank you for your sacrifice. You're the center of this church. See, without you and your sacrifice, your death and resurrection, this is worthless. Everything, it doesn't matter. But because you defeated sin and death, we, don't, we, no, we no longer have to live for this red little piece of tape that is our life today in this world, on this earth. We can live way beyond it and start making impact in the lives of people that last forever. That's the greatest investment there is, by the way, people. That's what you invested in. May that be what we invest in, God. Cleanse us. Wash us clean. Make us new by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And for those, God, that don't feel like they have a testimony, oh, God, let them know that today their testimony can begin by saying, I'm I'm all in. I just want Jesus. I just want surrender. I don't want to live this way that I've been living. It's death and it's killing. It's, it's, it's fleetless. It's worthless. But Christ, with you, all things are possible, God. So we surrender to you. We thank you. We love you. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. Hey, I want to thank you so much for watching today. But don't stop there. I want to invite you to like or subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, share this message with a friend. I mean, there are so many people out there hurting, struggling, and you have the ability to make an impact in their life. And finally, if if you live in the Omaha area, I wanna encourage you, come join us on a weekend service. We would love, love to meet you. God bless you.